Hey, wait, can we hang on? Hang on just a second. Sorry, I, hey, you guys don't ever hear my voice. My name is Brian. I'm the, I'm the nerd that puts the epic narrative together. Thanks for listening, by the way. I'm interrupting to let you guys know about a contest that we're running uh, for a new logo for the epic narrative. If you're a fan of the epic narrative and you happen to be good at graphic design or digital art and you'd like to take a crack at designing a new logo for us, we would love that. We're going to be running a contest starting Monday, March 7th, 2022 through Sunday, April 10th, 2022. You can submit any art designs that you have for a new logo for the epic narrative to thebobswitzer at gmail.com. And if we think it represents the epic narrative well and we fall in love with it uh, you will win a $50 Apple Pay credit that we will send over to you or an equivalent if you don't have an Apple product and it will become the new logo for us and we will announce the winner a couple weeks after submissions close um, sorry to interrupt back to the epic narrative hey everybody I'm Anna McEwen and now for Bob Switzer with the epic narrative. And here we go. We are in a brand new place. A brand new place. How did we get here? Well, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. No matter where you think that garden was, here on earth or some other place, they ain't there no more. They somewhere else. And in this place... I don't think it was like this destitute, uh, you know, moonscape type of thing. Like like from the, uh, what was that movie? Dune. I know they've redone it like 15 times. But, you know, that, that whole like, yeah, desert scene. I, I don't think so. I think it's a pretty nice planet. I think it's a nice planet. I, I think things grow. But it's also very different. It's a very different place in the garden because other things are growing. There are thorns and thistles and it says that the you know the ground became hard basically not just like difficult to uh shovel is that the word turn over to plant things but it became uh it just it just became physically difficult it was resistant to growth it was resistant to new plants being introduced to to, you know, to production, you had to work hard. You had to make sure it got water. You had to make sure that it, that it, you know, that the land was prepared. So this is going on. And, and, and in a lot of ways, Adam and Eve are still choosing, still chasing self, uh, self protection, um, self righteousness, self punishment, uh, they're still, you know, working the land. Uh, they're still, you know, making babies. It's difficult. It's hard. But they're just doing what they what they know to do. But it's not the thing that they would have had to done. Does that? I, I don't. I, I know. I, I probably. Yeah. I covered that enough last time, right? Is that what you're saying? I agree with you. Okay. All right. We won't cover it. We won't. Co- we won't cover it anymore. Here we go. So here, uh, sorry, I just realized I, I moved my notes, my outline, the vital outline to paying attention to what's going on. All right, here we go. That's much better. I was in a whole nother episode and I'm looking up at, looking up at the other episode going, what's going on? These are not, this is not where I'm supposed to be. So in uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Adam made love to his wife Eve. She became pregnant, gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. Now, there's a lot of time involved in these verses. And I do know that tradition and, and legend say these are the first two children of Adam and Eve. But there's nothing in the language that indicates that that's true. They could have had lots of children before and after and in between these two. These two play a key role because of what is introduced through Cain into the culture of the world. And it's not, uh, I don't think it's just murder. As, As you, you know, if you looked at the title of this episode, it's called The Birth of Religion. This is where I, I think uh, religion started, 
or at least where we first get a picture of it, which I think is part of the reason why these two are chosen as the uh, as as part of the outline of the story. Because they allow for that discussion to take place, not just the murder discussion, which we won't get to today. Trust me, I just know me. There's no way I'm making it that far. But the discussion of religion, because that's what I believe they started into. So it says that basically in the next couple, I, I love that it says, and Adam made love to his wife. I <clears throat> I don't know why, but every time I, I read that, I think, I, I don't think you can make love. <laughs> I just don't, but a lot of people like to call sex love, and there are many people who have, you know, been raised to believe that sex is love, and then there's people who take that concept and completely distort it and twist it and turn it into all kinds of of deviant nastiness in the name of love, and then they're shocked and amazed that anybody would would uh, not approve of their behavior because in their mind, this is love. This is, this is love. Sex is love. But, uh, I don't, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think sex is love. It's very, it can be very loving and, and an amazing expression of, of the intimacy of a relationship as it, and I believe that's what it should be, but I don't think you can make it. I don't think you make love. I just, I, I find that phrasing fun or funny or interesting. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. So Adam and Eve are doing what they do. It, it, it could have been years, years of doing that, years of making babies, years of farming, years of expansion. And they gave birth to Cain, who worked the land like dad. You That doesn't happen like in the first six months. Like we're talking at least a dozen years, I would imagine, before he's like actually working the land like his father. I'm sure he was trained and how to do it, watched his father do it, uh, wanted to be with his dad, hung out with his dad, learned how to be helpful with his dad. I started working with my dad when I was seven, six or seven years old. My dad painted lines in parking lots. It was hard labor, <clears throat> but there were things that I could do that could be helpful even as a child. I, I'm also sure it was pretty helpful for me not to be at home all summer with my mom because I tended to be fairly hyper and in need of exercise in order to, you know, <laughs> have some balance, chemical balance in my brain. I, I I have little doubt I would have been on drugs if my mother had had brought me in to be evaluated. I'm sure I would have been diagnosed, right? So your son has ADHD, HMTQ, and uh, we have a uh, small portion. Where's that yellow pill, nurse? Ratchet. Yes, thank you so much. Mm, yes, take, have, have Bob take uh, six of these a day. Everything will be fine. Everything, he'll be remaining calm, very calm. You know, and I become like this comatose kid in the corner. Now, I'm not saying that ADHD doesn't exist or ADHD plus whatever else there is. Uh, ADH, uh, it's, I, I get it. I, I know, I know it's out there. And I'm sure that in a lot of cases, balancing the chemicals in a child's head could be very helpful to the, to the child understanding who they are. But I do think some just immediately want their child on drugs because they don't want to do any work in in relationally uh, interacting with their child and learning how to work relationally with their child. So I don't mean to make mock one for the other. I mock my own life. I just think my mom, if she had taken me in, would have gotten a diagnosis. I, I don't think she would have went for it anyways. My mom was convinced that, you know, with exercise and with self-control, Bob, learn to control yourself. Bob, control yourself that I could learn to overcome. And I did. It doesn't mean that it was easy for her or for me or for the family, but we got it. Anyways, love my mom. She's amazing. Love my childhood, literally love my childhood. It's, uh, I, I can't, yep, gotten, I, I can't remember a bad thing about it. It was awesome. And one of them was being able to work with my dad. Something, honestly, a lot of kids don't get to do anymore because of the way that the structure of the world is. Uh, there just isn't a lot of opportunity for kids to start being 
trained in what their father does alongside their father or mother at that I mean any, either one of the parents they just they just don't get that opportunity very often uh, anymore now I, I suppose with more at home work occurring some of that could shift back to an opportunity to work alongside your parent and understand what they're doing but that's what I think Kane did I think he watched his father he started to be helpful to his father you know carrying uh tools to his father, repairing tools, uh, learning how to prepare the ground, learning how to plant the seed. Uh, there's just lots of things. When when a child gets old enough, and I would imagine seven, eight, nine, a child's old enough and can start doing something. For me, like I can work, I can work the stick end of a broom pretty easily. And once I learned how to quote sweep the lines, that's what I would do. I'd get out of the truck and my job was to sweep the lines, grab the broom, start sweeping the lines, make sure all the lines were clean. So my dad and my dad, you know, I didn't know what my dad was doing, but I learned, right? Later I learned, okay, I was old enough to carry what we call cones, right? The traffic cones. So then I get out of the truck and I take the cones out and I'd put the cones along the entranceways to whatever parking lot we were doing. And then I'd grab the broom and then I'd start sweeping. And then I got older and I, and I was a little stronger and I was able to Grab the cones, uh, grab the extra paint, move the machines, put up the ramps, get the machines down off the truck, all that kind of stuff. There were just things I learned to do along the way. And I, I picture Cain being that type of person alongside Adam, learning how to work the land. Now, Abel, Abel comes out, uh, Abel, uh, sorry, Cain was that way. Cain worked the land. Abel had come out earlier. Abel, his word, his his word, his name means breath. I just thought that was interesting. Anyways, uh, Abel worked the flocks. Uh, I don't, you know, again, people are like, well, where'd the flocks come from? Yeah, I believe the planet was well populated at this point with, with flocks and plants and trees and birds and all that kind of stuff. They were out there. So he was working, working flocks. I, I want to say that they were lambs. But he probably had a little bit of everything, lambs and goats and cows, uh, maybe maybe, uh, maybe something else. I don't know. What else would you have? Flocks of, <laughs> maybe geese. I don't have a flock of geese. Uh, anyways, doesn't matter. He worked flocks. Cain worked the land. Uh, there's, there's an understanding of behavior. Uh, when it comes from work, you know, of working flocks, there's understanding of the nuances of land when it comes from working the land. There's like, they just gained understanding of what everything was going. And then it says, uh, like in verse two, later she gave birth to Abel. You know, now Abel was, was a, kept the flocks, Cain worked the soil. Like that could be a 20 year section of time. I do know that tradition says, well, she gave birth to Cain, she gave birth to Abel. Like the two are separated by like nine months and two weeks. We don't know that. They could have been separated by 10 years. Could have been two years. We don't know. And that's okay. I just throw out the, the possibility so that as you're new, as you're interacting with this with this story, you might realize, listen, I've kind of put parameters on the story that aren't really there just because it's what somebody said. So expand your mind to the opportunity to be like, wow, who knows how distant these two were when it comes to age. I don't believe they were the first and second born. That, that's just that's just me. So there could be other siblings in between. Yeah. There could have been. We, we don't know that. It doesn't say the next thing she did was give birth to his brother. It just says later she gave birth to Abel. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. What do we got there? Once again, time. In the course of time, years, could be years, could be years. Cain and Abel brought sacrifices to the Lord. That's what, that's what we know. They brought sacrifices over the years, they brought sacrifices. 
Now, where did this come from? We have no indication that God ever asked for this. That's why I believe this story, this part of the story is the birth of religion. Cain and Abel brought sacrifices. Why? We don't, what, I don't, um, God said, really? Where? I mean, we've covered the last three chapters pretty extensively, right? It's taken, this is, what is this, episode 10? We've done nine episodes on the first three chapters of Genesis. Nothing in there about sacrifices. You can say, well, God sacrificed, uh, sacrificed it. In, <laughs> God sacrificed some animals to, to create uh, clothing for Adam and Eve. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, you know, there's no covering of sin without without blood. Okay, great. So that's a great illustration that you've come up with that makes it sound like somehow God did the first sacrifice and set up the illustration for Cain and Abel to follow. Awesome. If that's what you want to say, great. Then why is there no indication that Adam and Eve ever brought sacrifices to the Lord? Why is there no one else on the planet that's bringing, what, like what's going on? When did this start? Are you saying that this is the first sacrifice of Adam and, uh, of Cain and Abel? That after whatever, 20 years of life, they've decided, uh, today I'm going to bring a bunch of fruit to the Lord. That, that you know, I, I just, uh, you, there's a lot of, a lot of guessing on your part. Uh, I would call it like academic gymnastics that you have to pull off in order to say sacrifice had become a normal part of their of their yearly or monthly routine, uh, and we and and we know that because God killed two animals and made outfits for Adam and Eve. I I just don't see the connection in any way, other than you really want that to happen, so you put it there. Awesome, but let's not. Let's not die on that hill. Let's not build a seminary around that mindset because we really don't know. All we know is that they brought sacrifices over the course of time. He brought some, some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look on favor. Not not look on what? Wait. So there were rules. There were rules involved, and 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 God uh, liked Abel and didn't like Cain. See, this is this is that mindset thing. If you believe that God is punitive, if you believe His relationship with man is punitive in nature, that He's the judge. And there are laws to obey, and if you don't obey him, then he's going to become, uh, uh, he, he may lose his mind and kill you. If not, he may get really mad and kick you out of whatever garden you might be in. Or he may, you know, cause you to become ill. If you think that that's the, that's the direction that God goes in, then you're looking for things when you read these verses that, that aren't, indicated we don't see any rules we don't see any even requests let alone rules that god says i would really like you to uh bring me sacrifices every month just to remind me that you are that you are submissive to my will just to remind me that you are obedient to my rules because if you don't remind me through physical behavior, then I might think that you don't obey me anymore, that you don't love me anymore. And if and if you don't love me, then we're going to have a problem. Just ask your parents. No. I believe this is the birth of religious thought. You see, God makes relationship a heart issue, but man makes it a behavioral behavior behavioral you know, issue, a behavioral expression. Behavior flows from the heart, right? Offer, an offering to God is not a bad thing, but it's also not a required thing. 
let me say that again. I know that was a long pause. Sorry. I, I, was, I wanted to, I had a moment of thought. Coming to God with an offering, if you study anthropology, every, every culture, every culture that's ever been found throughout history has some element of sacrifice to some deity that they, that they believe. These sacrifices were never initiated, uh, and never from the initiation of belief, okay? It came later. It came out of a mindset that said, well, if we're going to worship this God, maybe we should offer something to this God. And if you follow this tradition, this pattern, whether it's through tribes in, you know, the, in Brazil or Africa or the Middle East or or Europe or or Native American uh, cultures here in America or islands, you'll see that sacrificing starts with usually with plants, fruits, vegetables, and then you know there's a drought or there's a flood or there's sickness and somebody says we need to do something more that god that god it wasn't happy enough with our with our fruit and vegetables we we need to do more and animal sacrifices become the next step and in that next step there's there's different animals that are that are considered sacred that are considered the ones that you need to sacrifice and others that you shouldn't sacrifice. And if you follow it over the years, they will move from animal sacrifice to human sacrifice. And this usually is not like immediately into death. It's usually sacrifice of uh, into servitude. So usually boys and girls are brought in and they're brought in as, as in essence, slaves to the gods. And they serve or service sexually various members of society, of the, of the religious hierarchy, and, and this is their sacrifice to the god. This is how they keep the gods happy. And then eventually it moves into a realm of human sacrifice and this is usually like the the big threshold and they often will start with uh you know older older servants uh, uh sex slaves or whatever that have been that have been already set apart for the you know for the deity and then they'll kill them and then for whatever, you know, again, people get sick or there's a drought or whatever. And they're like, okay, well, now we need to kill an innocent one. So then they'll take the virgin. That's the whole down through history, right? The, the sacrifice of the virgin will keep the volcano from exploding, that sort of thing. Innocence needs to be taken. And then ultimately they land on child sacrifice. And sometimes it's, your firstborn. Sometimes it's a girl, sometimes it's a boy, sometimes it's both. And generally speaking, every society that has come to a place where child sacrifice was considered okay, that society falls apart. Because I believe the truth is part of our creation and the truth ultimately will not be stopped because it's more than just an idea. It is part of our, our personal and creative identity from the beginning, which is why, again, I'm telling the story of Genesis. And that whole child sacrifice, you definitely could tie in the concept of abortion because a religious thought Religious mindset comes from a, a selfish mindset. <clears throat> and whether it's, I don't want this baby because I like to party and, or, or I don't want this baby because the husband is, you know, or the husband, my, 
the father, I don't know him, like it was a one night stand or we were drunk or, or it's, I don't want this baby because I already have six and I can't go on or whatever. Like, like there's all kinds of ways, but it swing, it swings back around. You know, the, the, my boyfriend's telling me I shouldn't keep them. My, my husband's saying we can't afford them. Uh, it, if, if we keep them, you know, the, our lifestyle is going to collapse to a place where it's actually going to be worse for the baby to be alive. However you want to dice it up, a religious mindset of fear, of selfishness, self-preservation, all comes into play and a child is offered as a sacrifice. I believe it's it's one of the reasons, uh, you know, I... <laughs> God makes it clear in the Old Testament. He's like, I could care less about your sacrifices. He's like, your heart is more important than any sacrifice. I don't care if you keep the, I don't care if you keep the religious calendar. That it's irrelevant to me. I think God, and we'll study this more when we go into Exodus, but which is, you know, a year from now, but I think the sacrifices of Exodus were given. Because God didn't want them to come to a place where they started sacrificing humans. And they were coming out of a culture that was just chock full of gods and sacrificing to them over and over and over again. They had hundreds of years of, of cultural uh, pressure to find a way to please the gods. And God is like, all right, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you some guidelines because... Because I do not want human sacrifice. And he makes that abundantly clear later on in Genesis to Abraham. And we'll get into it again then. So, and my engineer's like, hello, Bob. Like, we are nowhere near there right now. I know, I know, we are a long way off. But the, the principle's still the same. I think that the, you know, God's looking at their hearts and that's what makes it any offering acceptable or unacceptable. God looks at the heart. He really doesn't care if it's fruit or, or vegetables or anything else. God receives an offering because we're, we want to bring something to him. It's a natural response. Listen, when you're in love, it's natural to want to bring them something, right? I'm in love with my wife. We live most of our lives below the poverty level. So I would, and I still do to this day, right? I, If I get a few extra dollars, I'll hide it because I think some, you know, I, I might buy her something that she really likes. And sometimes that, that could just be something as simple as M&Ms, which she does really like. Or the, you know, the Giadarli, Giadeli, uh dark chocolate, Salted caramel squares. Oh my goodness. She loves it. She doesn't have a lot of them. She's gorgeous, but she likes to have them. I like to make sure she has them available. Not every night. I know. But we do stuff naturally. We are naturally inclined to bless the people we love. And when we bless the Lord, we bring an offering. And we often do that in forms of worship whether it's singing or dancing or praying or meditating or or reading we do things out of a desire to to show our to express our love in behavior to express our heart in behavior and that's fine like that is but it's not it's not required religion makes behavior and whatever behavior that is, bigger or or more sacrificial than your heart attitude, like like it wants religion wants your behavior to to be to be the focus. It can care less what your heart's like as long as you're doing the right thing, and that's what you know. In in the New Testament, Jesus dealt with that with the Pharisees all the time. He was like, you do all these things, and they're fine. They're great things. You memorize like ridiculously stringent memorization, uh, you know, rules and regulations. But 
it's not like that's that's not what's valuable. What's valuable is connection. What's valuable is being in relationship with your creator. That's what's valuable. And when you miss that, like it doesn't matter what you do. It's it's just not acceptable. Because if God accepted it, he'd be saying, yeah, I'm really only into behavior. I'm really only into what looks like you're connected to me. And there's relationships all the time in everyday life that fall apart because you're just like, this is so fake. Like, we don't really love each other. Or if you're friends, it's like, we don't, we don't even like each other. Oh, but come on, you go, to, you go to the football game every week together. Yeah, but I don't really like them. We don't have any relationship. We just have a behavior that we do in common. Religion is all about that. It's all about the behavior. Could care less about your heart. So I really don't think this is about fruit versus sheep. I know that there are there are, you know, amazing preachers that have made this all about the fact that blood needed to be blood needs to be shed in order for sins to be covered. I don't see any indication that God has ever given any 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 boundaries, any rules regarding this, before, you know, even at, before this or after this, all the way until Exodus. And I've already covered why I think he gave those rules. I just, it's just not there. So Abel comes in response to a relationship he has with God. He's like, I'm going to bring some of my first, youngest, most precious little ones. It's just not because I have to, but because I want to. I'm going to bring some portions from some of the animals that we've slaughtered, some of the really tasty meat. And I'm going to put that on an altar and I'm going to just sacrifice it to the Lord. It's all its all I know to do. I just want him to know that, that I want relationship with him. And Cain comes out of reaction. He comes out of obligation. He comes out of an expectation. It's, it's almost like, oh, great, my younger brother. Awesome. He's out there. You know, maybe maybe Cain come in from work. Him and his dad meet up at the barn. You know, Adam says, hey, Cain, how was work today? Oh, it was good. Tired, man. I'm beat. You know, planted the back 40. And, uh, yeah, things look good. Things are coming along. Pulled a lot of thorns today, a lot of thistles, got them out of the way, started a small, you know, started a fire for them, burned those up. Crazy how fast those things grow, man. They just, they will choke the corn down so fast, it's insane. And Adam's like listening, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, it's it's not, it's not easy anymore. Not easy anymore. I remember when it was easy, though, let me tell you. But that dang serpent... He tricked us good. And look look at what he made us do. I, I I just think for a long time, Adam kept trying to be, be the victim. You know, but if we can make God happy again, if we can make God happy again, then I uh you know, maybe 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 we go back to the garden. What why wouldn't Adam want that? Why wouldn't he want to get back to the garden? I, I think he did. I think he wanted to get back there. I mean, imagine living the rest of your life here on this earth with that kind of memory. Now, I know a lot of old people have that memory. Like, oh, back in my day, <laughs> back in my day. Adam had it, had a memory, man, his, his was like legit. But not because back in my day, everything was tougher we had to be rougher we had to be stronger wiser or we died it was man it was just so easy it was just so easy i would literally just speak and the ground would open up and i would plant and it would grow it was awesome hey hey kane yeah i saw abel yeah he was out he's gonna make a he was making a sacrifice to the lord you know who knows maybe that'll open up good conversation maybe maybe we can get some of these you know maybe god will finally be happy with us and i picture cain going oh great abel 
Sacrificing to the Lord. Fine. Well, maybe I'll do some too. Oh, really? Well, you don't have to. Oh, no, I... I probably should. So he goes and he gathers a bunch of fruit and vegetables. Again, it doesn't matter if they're bruised or unbruised, new or not new, fresh, not fresh. Like, I, I don't think any of that matters. It was his heart. He was coming out of reaction, obligation, expectation, all the things that make religion. Abel's was accepted because Abel came with a heart that just said, God, I just love you. And I just want to express that. So here's some really good meat. I know you don't eat it, but it helps me feel connected to you. And Cain's was not. And 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 so, uh, you know, uh, yeah, verse four. The 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 Lord looked with favor on Abel's on Abel and his offering. See, he didn't just look at the offering, saying like, "Yeah, I want." fatty meat from the young calves. He looked at Abel with favor. He's like, yeah, your heart's right. This is awesome. I'm going to continue to bless you. But you see on Cain and his offering, he didn't look with favor. So Cain was angry. Cain was what? He was angry. That's another word for disappointment. He was disappointed. He felt inferior. You know, when you're angry, that's what happens. You don't feel accepted. And when you don't feel accepted, you get angry. Rejected. I'm not good enough? Fine. Oh, I don't like you either. <laughs> Listen, he did what, what he thought was required. He thought... He did what he thought was expected of him. He did it out of reaction to the fact that his brother was doing something and he didn't, wasn't, didn't plan on it, had no, you know, wasn't thinking, wow, I, I'd like to do something out of, out of my love for God. He just did it because, well, Abel's doing it. Dad expects it. Evidently, God expects it. Maybe my lack of sacrificing is what's keeping us from getting back to the garden where everything was easier. He did what we what he thought was required. He he was embarrassed. He was ashamed. He was he, you know there was there was some self-rejection that happened in here. Now, I don't know how God looked on favor. Like I don't I don't know how that manifested. I don't know if Abel's sitting there going, you know, wow. Like this, just, oh, like I can feel the presence of God and I can feel his joy and I can feel his, his peace and, and I hear his voice and it's sweet and it's wonderful and it's kind and, and Cain's over at his side. I don't know. I don't know if how close they were. <coughs> I don't know if they were able to see each other, but Cain's over at his going, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> now. I don't. I, I need to be careful because not hearing God's voice doesn't mean that you're rejected by Him or that your heart isn't right. I, I I want to be very careful about that because there are plenty of times that there are people right next to me that are clearly connecting and on the right frequency with heaven, and I'm not catching anything. <laughs> I I know my heart's right. I know my I know my mind is in it. I'm just not hearing it, so I don't want to take that away from people. But there was favor. Favor is is that is grace. It's that thing that opens up between you and heaven that makes it easy. It doesn't mean that what you're that what you're doing is is not hard. Raising flocks was difficult. Finding grass was difficult because of the thorns and the thistles. But 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 when you're doing it out of a heart that's motivated correctly, the hard work doesn't seem as difficult. You're able to enjoy what it brings relationally between you and God. And I, at some level, Abel knew that right away. And not because he brought a sheep and or fatted meat and, and Cain brought fruits and vegetables. That wasn't the competition. This was just an exposure of a heart. 
And he felt rejected. He felt inferior. I think he felt unworthy. You know, you know what makes you feel that? Shame. The same thing that his parents dealt with. The same interaction that his parents had 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 in the garden. It's literally the reason why they're not in the garden. And it's just continuing to grow and manifest in the family that Adam and Eve are gro- are growing. They under they they live under that same sort of cloud, shame. Mom and dad did a bad thing. Mom and dad got us kicked out of the garden. Mom and dad know know what it was like when we were, when they were in the garden and everything was easy. All the other brothers and sisters, so many of them, understand how easy it was back in the day. But now the ground is hard. Now there's you know now we have to sweat. Now it's, you know, birthing is painful. All of this comes into play. Both these guys brought what they knew was a was valuable. Both these both guys brought food and and provisions that the clan and villages would have needed. These things could have been used for the family. All, all of this was was available, but they it, both of them brought that as a sacrifice to the Lord, but only one of them brought it with a heart that said, God, I can't help myself. I just want you to know how much I appreciate what, what you've blessed us with, how all this provision belongs to you anyway. It comes from you. We recognize that. We all come from the beginning. We're all part of this creation. And the other one brought the same sort of material, valuable provision for the family. And he he was like, fine, I hope this makes you happy. I guess I'm doing the right thing. Ta-da. And immediately both of them knew one was acceptable and one wasn't. I'm going to stop there because the next episode we'll get into God's interaction with Cain. And it is it is breathtakingly beautiful. And I think it helps us all understand what happens when we've done something out of religious obligation versus out of a heart uh, that loves God. So have yourself a great day, everyone. I'll talk to you again soon. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob Thoughts. Well, what am I thinking? Bob Thoughts are some very, very, very fine thoughts with something in the... Anyways, that's an old song. I don't know where that came from. But I'm sure all of you were grateful for the opportunity to hear me sing. Now, my thoughts regarding this episode are these. Um, I wanted to just touch on the idea that, uh, you know, there's a lot of bad theology in songs. And... uh, I mentioned how hymns were part of my life, and I love hymns, and they bring back a lot of memories about the people who sang them and the churches I was in as a child, etc. Um, and and there's nothing wrong with them, but but just because they're old doesn't mean they have good theology. And we could we could break those down. And actually, there's probably books and and other podcasts that you could listen to that break down uh, bad theology in um, in hymns or. Or anything really, but anyways, I, I just, I, I just know that they're out there because, because a lot of times the songwriters, and that includes current worship songs and past worship songs, and all those good choruses, those good choruses, <laughs> choruses. We used to go to these things called singspirations when I was a kid. All the choruses would come out. You no hymns, just choruses. It was, it was just a radical concept back in the day. A lot of fun, and they had like Singspiration booklets you could get for special Singspiration song time. Oh my gosh! And then of course you had the uh, the revival meetings. They had special songs, and then you had camp meetings where you actually went to like family camps, and those had their own songs. And you were allowed to like get all radical at at camp and stuff, just not in church. Can't be messing with the hymns during church. You know what I'm saying? 
Anyways, there's a lot of bad theology. Why? Because songwriters are writing from their perspective in the moment. They're writing from their perspective, not as a, quote, completed, mature Christian all the time. Now, sometimes they are, and that's great. I love songwriters, and I'm glad a lot of them have the maturity to write really deep stuff. But a lot of them are just writing. They're writing things that seem real to them in the moment, and you know what? I can't blame them for that. I do the same thing when I preach. They're try- oh, my gosh. If, if you found old recordings of me, I would probably cringe at, at, you know, at hearing them because they'd be filled with manipulation and all the nastiness of religion and, and the arrogance of being theologically right and everybody else being wrong. There's uh, Honestly, if nobody ever hears a sermon from, you know, from me, and the, uh, you know, that's probably <laughs> more than seven years old, I'd be fine with that. Now, some of you might want to go ahead and search them out just because they'd be humorous. But I, I wonder, honestly, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm currently, uh, I currently don't have a job. But I, you know, people are like, do you have a resume? It's like, I don't even know if I want people to know where I came from half the time because of what I carried. Not that the where I came from was like bad. It's just that what I took out of it turned into arrogance and religion and and manipulation and all that sort of thing. Oh my gosh, the AC just turned on. I, I probably sound like I'm in a, in a wind tunnel right now. Um, so I know bad theology happens and bad theology gets done, but gets put into uh, messages and bad theology gets put into songs and, and it's okay. You can deal with it. You can deal with it. I, I know, I know, I, you know, a worship leader, it was, you know, he hears what he thinks is bad theology, and he'll change the song. He'll change the words of the song. And it'll be like a, a song that everybody knows, and we'll all be singing along in church. And then all of a sudden, he's singing a different word because, you know, he was thinking, oh, that's not exactly right. We need to change this. And I'm thinking, oh, my word. Dude, like, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. It's okay. You're not going to, you know, ruin your spiritual walk by singing some bad theology, you know, it's just general things like waiting, waiting on God, like waiting for him to arrive. Now, God's everywhere all the time. You don't have to wait for him to arrive. You don't, right? The proper approach is I've lost my awareness of you. I'm, I'm focusing in on, on regaining my awareness of you. It's not, he didn't go anywhere, you know, but there's something about our experience when you, when you get that sense of God's presence, when you reconnect with his presence, if feels like he walked into the room. It feels like he settled on the place. It feels like he rushed in like a mighty wind. It, it's not true. So technically it's bad theology, but you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Sing it anyways. Or you're, you know, waiting to get to heaven, you know, waiting, waiting to get to heaven. And we lose the, the actual theology is what? That we carry heaven within us. We are heaven on earth. We are the answer to God's prayer that God would bring heaven to earth, that it would be done in, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. It can, it can, that prayer can be answered because of us. But sometimes it, sometimes in your, in your experience and in the experience of songwriters, you're waiting to get to heaven because man, it'd be so great to not be here. <laughs> I sh- maybe I shouldn't laugh at that, but you know what I'm saying. It's the same thing with like, you know, that God brings you good and the bad, you know, that he gives and he takes away, you know, that I, I, I do know that I do know that that's sometimes what it feels like. It feels like he gave you your job and then you got fired from your job. It feels like you got a raise, but then, you know, inflation went to whatever, $10 a gallon of gas. And now it's like, you're actually poorer than you were before. Like there's there's things that that can feel very real and songs get written about it and it's okay because in the moment you can sing them and understand, listen, this, this may not be good theology, but it is my reality at times. And this is where, you know, this is where the song comes in, into play and this is where our worship of God should always point us back to God. And now I do know that there are some worship songs that center on you, they center on on all of, uh, you know, all of man. They don't center on God. They don't even mention them sometimes. And they're, they're rightfully so. Some worship, you know, songs get kind of, 
put into memes because because if you sang them in church, they're about God. But literally, you could sing them out on the street, and everybody would think you wrote a love song to your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Because there's literally without even changing the words, like they're just that, they're just that mundane, uh, nondescript in the way that they approach. And again, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying understand where they come from, give some grace to the people who wrote them, and and honestly, if you're offended, you have a problem. Listen, every time you're offended, you have the problem. You have the problem. So if you're offended by someone's song, don't sit there and cross your arms or walk out of church or write a letter to the worship leader or the pastor. Go home and say, Lord, what, what is my problem that I can't sing this? Or even if I didn't want to sing it, that I can't enjoy the fact that people who are singing it are singing it to you. And as far as they're concerned and their motive is concerned, they are worshiping you. How can I not celebrate people that worship you? That's the question you need to be asking, not what's the email address for the worship pastor so I can I can send him something. And honestly, you know what? I, I've been at this now for almost almost nine minutes, and I haven't even got to the thought that I thought I was going to share. <laughs> oh, glory. Well, listen, religion, I, I know that this whole episode was supposed to be about when religion was born, and I don't think I really tied that in really well. I just talked a lot about the misconceptions about God, and that's what religion does, right? It destroys our perception of God. It makes him into something that needs to be uh, pleased. And if you disappoint God, you're going to be in trouble. If you, if you, uh, uh, you know, if you see something, or you've said something, or you've heard something, or you've, or you don't, you know, have enough of something. Like God's going to be disappointed. You're going to have to earn more approval from God. Um, you don't deserve things. Uh, you know, your behavior has been bad. Your attitudes have been bad. All of those thoughts draw you draw back to a conclusion, uh, a conclusion, sorry, a perspective of God that comes from Genesis 3, not Genesis 1-1. So that's where religion comes in. Religion just constantly muddies the water, constantly takes you from where you truly came from and the image that you truly bear to the image that puts religion in control of your life through fear, guilt, shame, manipulation, all the things that literally God has no idea about because they're not in heaven. They didn't come from the beginning. So when it comes to religion, run away. And when it comes to bad worship, bad theology and songs, just sing them anyways. (laughs) Have a good day, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.